everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain. I'm Diana, and I'm here with your host, John Abrams. Today, as a guest, we have with us Herman Fink. Herman is the CEO at Nikki. And today, we're going to be chatting with Herman a little bit about his background in network supply chain and what he's working on today and talk about some of the current issues in our world today revolving around supply chain. So welcome, Herman. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a while since you and I were face-to-face, Herman, and the pandemic certainly isn't helping to bring us together. I assume you're still up in Canada, and I'm down here in Chicago. And what I read is I still can't cross the border into your country. So I'm I'm anxiously waiting the day where, <laughs> where the border opens up again and, and we can get together. But let me just for our guests, so uh, just a time marker. Uh, we are we are in September of the uh, uh, year of 2020. So we're we're in the middle of the global pandemic of COVID-19. And when you and I met, Herman, you were doing some graduate work, and uh, uh, I think you might have even written some uh, some thesis around the idea of what's next in the world of supply chain. And and there are there are a couple of points I'm going to throw out, and we I'd like to talk about them in more detail. One of which is that that you you. Uh, I, I don't know if, if this is original research, you can comment on it, but this idea that the supply chain has been linear between somebody or, or a thing that makes something and the consumption of that thing that's made. So the supply chain since, I guess, early Greek times has really been this very linear uh, stepwise approach or chain-based approach to the movement of a good from the time it is conceived or manufactured to the time it is uh, consumed. And one of the things that really profoundly impacted me and my way of thinking about supply chain, because I'm a you know a dyed-in-the-wool traditional supply chain guy, uh, but one of the things that really impacted me about your research is this idea that today, with everything being connected, is the first time in recorded history that we can move from a linear, you know, straight line chain for supply chain to something that that allows uh, connections to be made on a more ad hoc or in a more network fashion, and and those two things were were terribly profound to me, and I, I want to discuss them. Uh, with you, just want to you know point out, I did embrace the COVID uh, stay-at-home rules today, and uh, you may hear some background noise. And the reason for that is, unlike all of the people on the nightly news that say I'm recording this from deep inside a closet, and you can hear all the background noise anyway, I decided to actually record from my porch today outside of Chicago. So. You'll hear kids screaming. I think the ice cream truck is in the neighborhood and people are mowing their lawns. So uh, just, you know, truly embracing the uh, global pandemic. But let me start off with, tell me where you found the idea of a networked or nonlinear supply chain and what that means to you. Well, I guess it all started with um, certain passion for technology, as you know, and uh, well, we 
and let everyone know my background is in computer science engineering. So there's a technology component there. Um, and it, it all started with that, you know, there's new technologies coming into the market and it's disrupting everything that we've been doing. Um, so like you said, we've worked with the supply chain in a linear fashion for many, many decades. And of course, this is coming to an end, you know, it's changing, it's evolving. Um, so the concept of, of the network is actually something that I, that I came across. Um, it was from a study from Deloitte, if I remember correctly. And this study talks about a new mesh that is happening, you know, this new interconnected supply chain that exchanges information from one side to the other and just connects every single aspect of it. Um, now everything is done through a digital core, which is where this technology component also comes into play. When the internet was starting to become something that consumers or uh, non-military folks were embracing, I thought it was a big deal, but I couldn't wrap my head around it. And this same concept, you know, the disruption of traditional supply chain, I can't wrap my head around it either. I, I mean, I know it's big, much like the internet was big 30 years ago. But do you have a way to wrap your head around the implications of a, a disruption of the current supply chain? Well, I guess, I guess I can just wrap my head around chaos, which is what we've been experiencing ever since we started adopting technology in, in the market. You know, there's these things that we don't, we don't really understand how they work, but they end up working. And we go, uh, traditionally, we go step by step. You know, first we go into some sort of automation and we try that out and it works. And then we go into some quality management processes and they work. So we continue. But somehow this new thing that we have going on is just completely changing everything altogether. And that is the challenge. That's why it's difficult to, to wrap your head around this, a thing like this. It's just that it's changing every single thing at the same time. There's no linear way of approaching it. Of course, companies have the same concern that, that, that you have, you know, they can't wrap their heads around it. And, uh, you know, research tells us that even though companies want to move forward with this, they don't know where to start. Also, they're choosing like individual projects where they invest. It's interesting that you talk about not knowing where to start. And I guess, you know, when I look at companies impacted today by the pandemic and, and really crushing, uh, as the pandemic did, manual workflows, it, it just did. It, it continues to. I, I still, uh, I, I talk about this almost every episode. I still can't wrap my head around the fact that there are certain products, paper products, that still don't exist in my local Walmart. I, I'm in Chicago. I'm, I'm, you know, Walmart is one of the greatest supply chains out there, and yet we have so destroyed uh, the normal processes that, you know, we're 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 now plus six months into a pandemic, and they haven't recovered. I'm curious. I, you know, when we started talking about this, you know, we couldn't have anticipated a global pandemic stressing the heck out of the supply chain. But what do you think that does to tell manufacturers or distribution companies, hey, you got to take a different approach. You got to take a different view of investment in whatever the first steps of digitizing are. What do you think the pandemic sends in terms of a message to those companies? Well, I think it's just uh, 
realization that we we have to move faster. You know, we we haven't really gotten to that point where we can automate everything that we want. And a situation like this, of course, is a stress test at the end of the day. Right? So it, it shows where our bottlenecks are or where our deficiencies are and where we really need to improve. Um, I believe that's, that's why you can't find something on your local store or even your local super center, you know, like you said, Walmart, it's a, it's a huge company and it's, it's ridiculous to think that you can't find a product there. But it's because um, it is a process that we've been going through for many, for many years. You know, the companies are investing, but like I said, they're choosing where to invest. And unfortunately, it hasn't reached every part of the company. And that's what we're seeing these kind of phenomena happening with COVID. So if you were advising a, you know, just take any manufacturer, let's say, we pick on paper products all the time. So let's say you are a manufacturer of some kind of uh, uh, consumer-focused paper products. What would you, and, and I'd ask you to pull on your academic roots, what would you be advising them in terms of where to start in terms of embracing new technology and new processes relative to the supply chain? Well, I would say that the first thing that we need to do is just think about it in a different way. So the perspective is is the following. So far, we've been doing changes, adopting technology, let's say step by step, like I was mentioning. Uh, But it has always been as technology as an addition of what we do. You know, technology is a nice prop that we bring and we attach to our company. What we need to think about now is how do we make that technology the center of everything that we do, which is very different. No, it's still technology, but having it at the core is what really matters now. Because that's the one that's going to be driven by data and analytics, and that's going to bring all this value to the the supply chain. And it's interesting that you say, because... uh, you know, most companies have have grown up in an era where technology is something that's new that they had to learn about and adopt. And uh, one of one of the things that uh, when you and I were first talking uh, ages ago, I, I said, you know, Amazon isn't all that. <laughs> it's uh, it's Amazon is not necessarily the future of supply chain. They are a company that grew up sort of in a technical age, but in a very traditional way. They were a bookseller. And so what they were doing was automating one aspect of, uh, of sales. And I think they did it pretty well. Uh, it, this sounds ridiculous, given that Amazon is one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, but I... I look at their supply chain processes and they're very traditional. And in fact, they have done what any good distributor would do in terms of a stepwise improvement in distribution. But overall, it, it's, they're not really any better than uh, uh, FedEx. And, and I, I think, and, and I'll ask you to you know, uh, weigh in on this, but I think a company that starts today with the idea of competing for consumer-based dollars is going to approach supply chain differently. They, they can because they're, they're growing up with the technology at a certain level, whereas Amazon simply applied it, as you suggest. And so 
just curious, you've done research on Amazon and others. Is that assessment, you know, in the ballpark or, or how do you think of it? It is. Uh, I guess what we, what we have is basically two types of companies. We have digital natives right, and digital adopters. So that's, I guess, the two big categories that we could, we could distinguish them by. Um, we have these companies that are growing now in this era where technology is everything and they are immersed and they can start fresh and have a digital core. And we also have these very traditional older companies that have been adapting you know, have been adapting and adopting technology and they're trying to make sense of, of how to do that. It's not easy. It's not cheap either. So I guess that's the categories I would give. Yeah. And to make that point more dramatic, it's sort of like it, it didn't matter how much money sears through at embracing a digital supply chain. They're, they're kind of at such a, such a, a uh, uh, far back start that they kind of can't keep up. And and what fascinates me as a Chicagoan where Sears grew up is that Sears optimized for rail delivery. They, and so you look a hundred years down the path from rail delivery to mesh network uh, supply chain, it's sort of like, you can't get there from that starting point. And, and, and Amazon is, you know, they're different. They're more mature. They grew up in a different era than Sears did. But they still, as you say, they are not digital natives from a supply chain perspective. They simply adopted better practices for selling books and have expanded based on that. But I think the next Amazon is going to embrace, as you suggest, a mesh supply chain and it's it i you know i i i've spent a lot of times with big think a lot of time with big thinkers at MIT and other places that that pushed me to stretch my imagination i cannot imagine what the digital native supply chain uh competitor to amazon is going to look like but i think it's going to be profound yeah, it is. It is going to be a big, a big change, big impact. And honestly, Amazon, I think what's given them the advantage is just the fact that they're customer obsessed. You know, that's one of their values. And, yes. and they have as a mission being the, like the top customer centric uh, company on earth. So that helps them a lot, a lot in making good decisions. Uh, what they did was they realized that they, they could adapt their business model and try to use the supply chain and the, and what they do to bring people even out of like out of online to offline, right? Because a lot of what we hear is, oh, because of Amazon, companies like Sears are going out of business, and it's it's not true. You know, even Amazon is opening their own stores and it's bringing people from online to offline. So, yeah, that that is a great point. I think one of the discussions we had very early on in your research around supply chain. Uh, was, uh, you know, the, the fallacy of Amazon is the thing that is driving uh, Brooks Brothers or Sears out of business. I just patently do not believe that. I think that is a weak excuse. Uh, Clay Christensen, who writes about, you know, is one of his early books, The Innovator's Dilemma, you know, Christensen would point out that people like Sears have been 
uh, sounding their demise to their investor community for decades, well before Amazon even showed up. So, hey, um, this is fascinating, and I want to talk more, uh, and and hopefully we'll have you on for another episode. But Diana, I'll kick it back to you, and uh, if you can wrap us up, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. Herman, before you go, if you could just tell people where they can find you, how they can reach out to you, how they can learn more about Nikki and the other things you're working on, that'd be great. Sure. So if you, if you want to reach me, you can do that on LinkedIn. Herman Fink is how you can find me. And then uh, you can also know about my company, Nikki, from visiting www.nikkiapp.com, where you know we help international students find accommodations, uh, but we're dealing with automating the rental process, which is also something that's interesting if you want to learn about that. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. We'll have to talk to you more about that uh, next time. Thank you so much, Herman, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Have a great day, and we'll be back again for another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain very soon. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Supply Chain podcast. It's brought to you by Venzi, intelligent product content distribution for enterprise commerce. Learn more and say hello to us at venzi.com. That's V-E-N-Z-E-E.com.